you're working Even when I don't feel that you're working Never stop, never stop working Never stop, never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working Never stop, never stop working Never stop, never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working Never stop, never stop working You never stop, never stop working
Thank you. Praise Everybody God. welcome. Joni. Praise God. So if God's going to do a new thing, you know, that means that he's calling us to come out of the old and into the new with him. And, and that's a, taking a big step. And sometimes, you know, we're so stuck in the old that it's hard to let go. You ever think about that really? Um, you know, you think even of your relatives, your friends, maybe an old church that you were a part of or whatever, and it's hard to let go of the old and move into the new. But I felt like the Lord spoke to me this morning about this Passover season that we've now stepped into, you know, yesterday until April 4th is Passover, and how he wants to release his Passover power uh, in this season with us. But here's the deal. Some of you have been walking in a Passover that's not of God. All right, now, now, now hear me out on this. Don't just like lose me now. But he said, what's happened is that you have been experiencing a Passover that the enemy has done to you where you're, you're passed over. You don't have favor. You're passed over. Uh, somebody chooses somebody else to do something. You're passed over. And the ministry that was, you were meant to do, all of a sudden, somebody else rose up in that spot. And part of that was those walls that we've put up. And, and again, that if we allow those to be torn down, 
that, uh, that we will see those things that have held us back be destroyed. And so he's been emphasizing to me in this time that part of what we need is to make sure that we're walking in his word, you know, even just like he just said, because it, the word is so important. We've got to be rooted and grounded in the word or we're going to be floating out there with any old spirit that comes along, not the Holy Spirit. And we, we've got to understand his word. We've got to get back to the basics. I feel like that's a major instruction for us in this time and season. Get back to the basics. Get back to his word. And, and you know, we've been saying, oh, there's going to be this great big huge revival. And we're going to have a billion soul harvest. We're going to have stadiums full of people. And it's, it's like it's some kind of a... Um, I don't know, like a party or whatever. And we don't understand that those stadiums might be full because of things like Hurricane Katrina. That wasn't a party. That was a gathering of people that had just been through horrible disaster. And I'm not trying to word curse us or anything else, but there's bad stuff coming down the pike. And there's bad stuff that's already been going on. And so, you know, we need to, instead of be living in some type of a wonderland, be with the spirit of truth where we're not going to have to wonder what's going on. God's word tells us that there's going to be times like this. You know, Jesus told us in Matthew 24 that there would be times that would be worse than ever before or ever more would be. Now you take a look at that and all the things that are happening, then Jesus says uh, in there, this is just the beginning of woes. So hey, I, I bring you good news. This is the beginning of woes. <laughs> Didn't you come to hear that this morning? <laughs> but we're in the beginning of woes. And if we can't run with the footman, what are we going to do when the horses come? As the scripture says. And so we've got to quit fading out. And, oh, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. That's just bad news. I don't want to hear that. Well, listen, I'm sorry, but that's the way that it is. This stuff is, that's going on out there is crazy. You know, even uh, the way the election happened and everything, and that's just the beginning of woes. You know, we've got the beginning of woes with who's in office now. Like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, we're seeing, you know, now that there, there's a, a little bit of time that's passed by, we're beginning to see what's all about, what it's all about. And that, you know, even guns, they're wanting to take away the guns, they're wanting to take away our rights. And by the way, it's okay if people promote homosexuality and promote abortion but it's not okay if we pr promote the fact that you can be free from those things and you don't have to fall in line with it and there's just something wrong with that picture and that's why we've been falling under a curse in this nation and it's a smaller amount of people that are for those things than aren't it's only like 7.6 percent uh, of the nation that's for homosexuality, but they're running everything. And, and I'm not saying that as a person to be against a person, but that spirit and that, that thing that is destroying those people's lives is trying to destroy all of our lives. Like, let men go into a women's restroom. Oh, heck no, not on my watch. We had a Morningstar conference in Charlotte, and I walked into the outer court area Wow, that was nice. I walked into the outer court area <laughs> and, and there was a, a person at the mirror and it was a guy dressed as a woman in the women's restroom. 
and I walked up beside him, and I'm thinking, there's a lot of young people from my church here, a lot of young ladies, and I walked up beside him, and I said, you know, I know who and what you are, and I said, I know you can be free of that, but I'm just going to tell you, if you walk through that door, and you go into where these young girls are, I said, uh, you're going to walk out minus some body parts. And he said, oh, that was real Christ-like. I said, yeah, you know, he upturned tables at one time. And I said, you're not walking in there. And I said, in fact, you're leaving here right now. You know, we have got to quit being afraid to stand up for righteousness and quit being afraid to stand up for our young people and quit being afraid to tell the truth. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. But the only way we're going to know what the truth is is if we get into the truth, if we get into the word more than we have in recent time. And, you know, the, um, the word ignorant, you know, we don't want to be ignorant. The word ignorant means to halt and to ignore intelligence. I don't want to be ignorant. I don't want to be ignorant of God's word. You know, I don't care if I'm ignorant of, of something of the world, but I don't want to be ignorant of God's word. And there are a lot of people in this time period that are experiencing curses they don't have to experience because they're going along with what the world says. And that's why I'm saying there's even a Passover that's been happening to people. They've been passed over uh, in the area of blessings because they've chosen that pathway. And so if we want those blessings, what did the Israelites do? But they put the blood of Jesus over their doorpost. We need to have the blood of Jesus over the doorpost of our minds and our hearts. And we need to quit going after strange fire and strange stuff. Now, I know I'm probably going to make some people in here mad, but that's okay. <laughs> because I'd rather please Jesus. And I have been somebody that I just haven't been able to be a part of some of the stuff that's gone on, the crazy stuff, the gems, the gold, and this and that. And I cry out to the Lord, Holy Spirit, you're the spirit of truth. Reveal the truth to me. And sometimes I feel really bad, like, God, I can never seem to be a part of what's going on. And, and so I would, I'd just pray that prayer. You know, forgive me, Lord, if, if I'm wrong, but this, something with this just doesn't settle with me, doesn't settle right with me. So sure enough, this one time I get a phone call from somebody, and it's this lady that her husband worked for a pretty famous minister, uh, who was getting laden with the gold all the time. And she says, I've been having terrible nightmares. My husband works for, and she told me the man's name, who I knew quite well. He, he and his wife were friends of mine at one point. And she said, um, he's been spraying this magician spray on him, and it goes on clear. But then as the lights, like these lights, they're hot and everything, and they had a television ministry as well. As the lights dry it up, it begins to change and manifest into the gold all over him. And she said, like Pontius Pilate's wife, I had a dream and God's mad at us. And I said, well, I guess he is. <laughs> you think? <laughs> and she says, what should we do? And I said, you need to go to him, go to that man and tell him and warn him. And then you all need to get out of there and you need to repent and get yourself into a church that teaches the word and teaches the truth and and go forward from here and you know that man ended up having a lot of serious the one that was doing it having a lot of serious health problems and everything else well that wasn't the only thing that i had wonderings about 
But so now we had the gems and angels were supposedly throwing gems and everything. Again, I'm like, Holy Spirit, you're the spirit of truth. Please reveal the truth to me. So many different things happened. One is I called the lady who was televising this out over the internet and I said, listen, every time that guy says that angels are throwing those gems, uh, I says, I just get the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> and I said, there's something wrong with this. And I prayed and I asked the Lord, I felt like that he said, this man isn't a mean man, but he didn't get attention because he's not prophetic like his other buddies are. And God had given him the recipe for this um, so that he could make money. But instead he decided to tell this lie. And, oh, she got so mad at me. And, and I said, listen, I just don't want to see you go through having the television cameras and the news people at your door and, and your church being evil spoken of and everything. It was a lady pastor. And I says, and, you know, I worked at PTL when everything went down. She goes, well, that's your problem. She says, you're just wounded from that and trying to project it on us. <laughs> and I was like, whatever. She hung up. And sure enough, it was proven wrong. But what this guy did was they were talking on her program and he goes, oh, there's the angel. Oh, there, it just threw a gem, and he runs down into the grass and parts it like this with his fingers in the exact spot where this honking huge gem is, you know, that could fit in the palm of your hand like that. And now listen, I'm not real good on a bunch of um, scientific things, but this thing was shaped like this and with a, a heavy top, and it just so happened that that pointed end goes down. If you throw something like that, the other end is going to be down. He had strategically planted it there, and that's what the Lord showed me. He planted it there so he could go and do this. So a little bit of time passes on, and I saw that there were other ministers who were taking this man's gems with him on the road. And, and I finally, because I was in Bob Jones' classes, I, I went one morning to his house early, and with a friend of mine who's one of the top five gemologists in the country, and I said, these things aren't real. I had called the gemologist. I showed him the pictures and everything. And I said, these aren't real. I know that they're not. And he said, well, I'd have to see them in person. But really, he says, what makes you think that? And I said, well, because I felt like the Holy Spirit told me that. And, and he says, why? And I said, told him about, you know, the top heavy and <laughs> so forth. And, and I said, and it just, the light didn't look right in it. And he laughed and he says, well, the Lord revealed that to you because light refracts differently um, in a real gem as opposed to something that's man-made. And he says, and looking at these, he says, you're absolutely right. And I said, will you go with me to Bob? I'm really scared. <laughs> I'm going to Bob to, t to tell him these things aren't real, Bob. And so we took them in there and everything. And you know what Bob said? Bob said, I thought them things was real. <laughs> and he says, thank you for telling me that. And he says, you know, you got one of the strongest gift of discernment I ever did see. <laughs> and he says, I need you. Listen to this, the humility of this man. He says, I need you as much as you need me. Don't ever be afraid to come to me. I saw fear all over you when you came in the door today. Daughter, don't you ever do that again. <laughs> and, and so I'm telling you, we've got to stand up to these things. And if you don't feel comfortable with something, there's a reason. It's because there's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And he doesn't like fake. All right. He doesn't, you know, he's, God is the creator of all that's real. 
and the enemy is the one that creates the fake. And there's so many other things just like that. So another time, a friend of mine went into a service, and there was an, uh, an elderly man who really was well-known and everything, but all these younger people were using the gems, and so they weren't, people weren't coming to his services. So he started to use the gems too. And he had his Bible, and she kept, kind of kept her eyes open just a little bit, and she, he says, everybody close your eyes, the angels are going to come. And he's going up and down the aisles and scooting them out of, scooting the gems out of his, his Bible like that. Oh, and they were real gems, by the way. But you want to know how they got them? I got an email one day uh, from an eBay seller, and they said, a lot of your friends are using our products, and we just wanted to sell them to you. We have gems that we cut off, pieces of gems from other things, and it's so much per bag and, and so forth and so on. It doesn't matter, even if they're real, that doesn't mean they're really from God. <laughs> You know, and I'm going to tell you what, God is not going to try to point to gems and he's not going to try to point to gold or anything else. If there's someone sitting in the audience that has stage four cancer and they're going to die the next day. You know, I believe that my God, my Jesus has love and compassion and he's going to be working on healing people, not pulling them into some type of a counterfeit uh, situation like that and so you know just what I want to express here is we've all got stuff that we have picked up along the way false teachings and everything else like I said I worked at PTL I worked for Jimmy Swaggart <laughs> one right after the other don't you want me to work here just, just say it <laughs> and there were things that were taught that I had to get rid of get out of my spirit and they ended up being those walls that kept God's goodness from me, that kept his blessings from me. He's not going to bless the fake. And, and so we've got to go back over our lives. We've got to go back over some of those teachings um, that have a, occurred in our life that, that were wrong. And, you know, <laughs> I want to tell you something else that happened. Like this, was, this is really kind of funny if it wasn't so tragic. When I was a little girl, we grew up in the Baptist church until I was about 12 years old. Uh, and then I got saved in a spirit-filled church that we started attending. Anyway, so we're in the Baptist church, and they like to do the coloring books and the crayons and, and so forth for the uh, Sunday schools. And I was, I, I was just so in love with Jesus all the way back then, and I enjoyed those things. So they taught one morning about Lucifer how that he was the most beautiful angel of all, and we had this picture that we could color and make him just as beautiful as you can. That was kind of crazy, but anyway, they were just trying to make a point, but that he got, um, you know, above his grade. <laughs> uh, he got uh, into a point where he felt like he was God because he saw how beautiful he was. And so I thought about it, and I went home, and back in those days, we had heater grates in the floor, and you could look down through and see the furnace, and you could see the fire there. So when I was seven years old, I thought that was hell. <laughs> so I went, and I decided to sit by that heater grate and look down into hell, <laughs> what I thought was hell, and try to get the devil saved. <laughs> and I was like, you know, we talked about you in Sunday school, and I just want you to know you're absolutely the most beautiful angel. God loved you so much. He made you so beautiful. And he put you in charge of the praise and worship. And, you know, praise and worship is awesome. And, and he just really loves you. And, and if you would just tell him you're sorry, I know he'd forgive you. <laughs> and that opened up doors 
of demonic visitations that I suffered for many years afterwards. Not only that, but my mother, I don't even know why she did this, but she brought in a Ouija board into our house, and, and that thing like wanted me because there was demon spirits behind it. My family would get on it to, to get it to try to work, and it would just spell out my name. Want Joni. Love Joni. Want to hug Joni. Get Joni. And I would angrily, you know, get on it, and it would just fly all over the board saying all kinds of things. And, but I, you know, I didn't even know that that was a wrong thing, but I knew it in my spirit. And one day, my pastor found out about it, and he, this was when he started going to the Spirit-filled church. And you'll meet him in July. He's going to be here at my conference. But he came over to our house, and my mom and my sister were there, and I was in school. And they, she began to tell him how that I couldn't sleep at night because I was having all these demonic visitations. And he had a word of knowledge, and he said, do you have an Ouija board here in the house? And she said, oh, yeah, it gets really angry when they don't play with it. It jumps up and down inside of its box in the closet until they pull it out. And he said, you go get that thing. We're taking it out back and burning it. And he took it out back to the burning barrel with my mom and my sister, and they had to continually pour charcoal lighter fluid over it uh, until that thing was burned and, and demonic faces came up out of it. Do you know, while I was at school and they were burning that, I ended up having a fever because the enemy was trying to burn me while it was getting burned. But from that point on, I began to be able to sleep at night. That thing got broken off, and, and you know, God did a new thing. God wants to do a new thing. He wants to get rid of those demonic strongholds that might be in our life. And, you know, the, the enemy wants our gifts, by the way. If you have a prophetic gift, you're probably going to experience more warfare than anybody else. If you have a teaching gift, you know, if, if you have a calling on your life, a lot of times the enemy is going to come after you more than he is anybody else. Sometimes the enemy knows more of what we have in us than we do. <laughs> and so pay attention. Uh, don't get mad at God. Get mad at the enemy. Get mad at what the real problem is instead of getting mad at God. And, you know, a lot of times... Um, when we have a gifting like that and the enemy does things, we do blame God, don't we? But if we are in the word, we're going to know the truth. The truth will set us free. And that's what God wants to do in this season. He wants to set us free. So I want to tell you something that's been going on um, in the media area. And I want to pull up my notes because I have, um, there are some particular phrases that I have become aware of. So, you know, the enemy's the liar and the father of lies. There's no truth in him. So what's going on, even in the news media, is something called the illusory truth effect. It means the illusion of truth. And it's where something is spoken so often that people begin to believe it. You know, just like right now, the big lie is that, you know, people need to be afraid of conservatives. <laughs> they need to be afraid of the fact that, that we're telling the, the truth through the word of God. And so when that happens, it, it has a tendency uh, that when people are receiving that kind of false information to be correct over and over and over again, they do finally believe it. And so what happens after that? Well, something called satanic panic, from the illusory truth effect into satanic panic. Now, I don't know about you, but 
there's enough things out there to panic you and me, even as Christians, that that's bad enough. But can you just imagine with me for a moment not having the Lord and having these things be told to you? Do you know that even our young people were told in the colleges that if Trump got elected again, that he was going to have them all cleansed so they couldn't have children? Yeah, so all of these lies being fed to people is why they're panicking and why they're even voting in the wrong direction. So what happens is uh, the satanic panic, panic um, promotes an energetic response of fear and panic. Pretty energetic, isn't it, when they're able to tear down buildings and uh, break into businesses and, and burn places down like what they did in Portland? So it's because they don't have the Lord. So the Lord t told me about two years ago, no, excuse me, it was a year ago, January, I had this dream. And in the dream, I was in heaven and there was this round table uh, in front of several different people, like there were several round tables. And there were the old evangelists who've gone on to be with the Lord, seating, being seated there. And when I walked up to the tables, they were clear glass, but they were actually a television screen. And I drew closer. I thought it looked like fields. Well, it was fields, all right. It was fields of harvest, but it was fields of harvest for people. And they would point. They had angels behind them. And they would point and they would say, this is the one. What do you think, guys, around the table? You think this field is ready? And all of a sudden, they'd hit on the table, and a map would come up, and it would roll up and have a bow on it, and they'd hand it to an angel who would take it down to earth to an evangelist who was here and tell him, go, that field of harvest is ready. Do you know what those, some of those fields of harvest were? They were right where some of these people are who were operating in the satanic panic. And the reason that they're so panicked is because they don't have Jesus. You know, I can't imagine, I, I can't imagine, and it's a horrible thought, to not have Jesus when we're going through such terrible times. You know, even with the COVID thing, to not have Jesus and to not know that he can heal us, that he can spare us, that the blood of Jesus is stronger than anything else. And what happens is, is that this type of thing, this, this illusory truth effect and this satanic panic, then as it continues, it becomes like a culture a culture of fear. That's even why we're having the cancel culture. They're going to cancel anything uh, that brings fear to them. And, you know, there's some things I'd, I want to cancel, <laughs> but it certainly isn't Dr. Seuss. <laughs> I mean, let's uh, have a little common sense here. But it causes people to not have faith in the church, to not have faith in their neighbors, and so forth, and, and to put people at odds with one another. And so I'm telling you, there are a lot of ways that we can come up against this. One is, for each and every one of us, knock it off with the conspiracy theories. Even God's word says uh, that we're not supposed to be involved in the conspiracy. Don't think everything is a conspiracy, the scripture says. And, you know, I don't know how many times I have thought to myself, after walking away from somebody I thought was highly intelligent, and they're like, well, the Q says this, and the Q says that. And I'm like, the Q is crazy. <laughs> you know, we have really got to get a hold of our minds. A mind is a terrible thing to waste, whether it's on drugs or conspiracy theories. 
and we've again got to get into the word of god and we are the ones that can give people the word quit giving them the conspiracy theories it's a bunch of baloney and it's drawing people away from the lord and away from from the big revival that we're supposed to have and you know i had three different dreams about all of this and i'm not going to go over all of them because we you know we don't even have the time to but jeremiah 27:18 says but if they are prophets, they are called to intercede that the vessels do not return to Babylon. Not to scare the heck out of them. <laughs> and what we've had is a lot of people with a lot of scare tactics and trying to get out there and tell us this is going to happen and that's going to happen when what we should be doing is pulling God's word out. We do need to be prepared for the days ahead. Maybe not even with guns, maybe not with stockpiles of food, but how about stockpiling the word of God while we can still get it? Do you know Dollar Tree sells Bibles for a dollar each? And you can go buy a case of 24 of them for $24? Go stockpile on the word of God because they're going to start taking it away. With this cancel culture, you know, they're going to realize that the Bible is against homosexuality. The Bible is against abortion. So they're going to cancel the Bible pretty soon. And we've got to get a hold of the Bible. We've got to get a hold of the Word of God. And, and we've got to be promoting that instead of this scare tactic and, and this cancel culture that's going on. You know, the Word of God says in 2 Timothy 3, 7 that one of the signs of the end times is they will always be learning and listening to anybody who will teach them but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. In 2 Timothy 3, 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So, again, such thing as the conspiracy theories, the scare tactics, you know, focus on the Nephilim is returning, space aliens are invading. Uh, even the, the courts of heaven teaching and spirit guides and embellished stories that probably embarrass even the angels. You know, there are angelic visitations. I've, I've had them myself, but I don't have to be in Moravian Falls to have them. That God's angels are everywhere. And, and, you know, a lot of people focus on generational curses, but there's generational blessings too. And the Lord told me a long time ago, you know, how many times are you going to get those generational curses prayed off of you until you start grabbing a hold of your generational blessings. So my mother um, was raised under the teachings of Amy Semple McPherson. Her parents and her traveled with her and her parents just helped her to set up and tear down and that kind of thing, no big deal. And so did another family. And my mother was from Erie, Pennsylvania, lived up in there. And this other family with three little boys, they had three little boy singers. So Amy walked by a tent one day and heard them kind of mocking what she did, not in a bad way, uh, but practicing uh, in a tent, little children. My mother was preaching, these three little boys were singing, and so she began to put them up on the stage. Well, my grandparents were in what was called vaudeville back then, which was the entertainment of the day. We're talking about the 20s, 30s time period. And they began to take my mother and these three little boys out on the road because they figured they could make some money on that. <laughs> and so you would have thought that knowing all of that, 
would have kept her from some of the deception that she got into later on, such as bringing um, a Ouija board into our home and going to fortune tellers. But no, you know, she did all of that. And she had a great call on her life, but never walked in the fullness of her calling. Now, I've had people come up to me when I share this at times and say, oh, but you can do it. You know what? She could have done it. It didn't have to be that I would take the mantle. And, you know, I so love Robert Slairdon's teachings. He's been teaching on mantles lately. And um, years ago, when people would say, you know, go up to the evangelist or the whoever's coming into town, get them to lay hands on you, impart to you what they have. I told you some of the people I work for, I don't want that impartation. <laughs> I'm just saying, you be careful who you get an impartation from because you're going to get some of their junk too. And even as I begin to prophesy over people, I might even prophesy over somebody, you have an anointing like David. And then you know what? The Holy Spirit comes in and he says, so tell them, because they have that anointing like David, they also have some of his problems too. Uh, tell them to watch out for those. <laughs> and so I would tell them, you need to read up on David and find out what some of his problems were because those are going to be yours too. And you need to stay away from wine, women, and <laughs> so forth. Um, but... You know, when you get an impartation, you're liable to get somebody's junk. So you be careful about that. So I, th I really thought about it, though. So I grew up in a family with five kids, which meant we got used clothing passed down and things like that. So I didn't like that. I wanted brand new, you know. And I just kind of figured, why should the anointing be any different? I don't want somebody's used anointing. I want brand new straight from the Holy Spirit. I want to plug into him direct and get full power. <laughs> and I want him to impart that. And then, you know, oh, we grew up in an era where, you know, people would do deliverance and, and they would pounce on somebody. Am I right, Carol? The services we were in, they would pounce on people to shout out those demons. And, and I, I thought to myself, well, if people can be possessed by spirits, I want to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so I started saying, Holy Spirit, possess me in Jesus' name. And I didn't, I didn't read about other people. You know, I, and I so love uh, Robert Slaredon's books about God's generals, but God wouldn't even let me read things like that until I stepped into my own ministry because he knew I was really just kind of down on myself. And I would have wanted to be anybody but me. And the Lord said, I want you to be you, who I called you to be, and minister to those I've called you to minister to. You don't try to be looking like somebody else or acting like somebody else. So I've got a son, he's 43. But when he was younger, he had a lot of black friends. So, and these were black friends that talked with a black accent. Okay, and nothing wrong with that. But my son started picking up on that. There is nothing stupider than a cracker trying to act like a black person. I am telling you what, it's embarrassing. It's downright embarrassing. And, and I said, you know, be you. Be who God called you to be. Be proud of your heritage. Let them be proud of theirs, but you be proud of yours too. Quit trying to act like somebody you are not. And, and I feel like that, you know, we are in a wonderful time now where we are being taught out there if you are a black person be proud of your black heritage if you are an asian person be proud of your asian heritage and you know white people have been proud for a long time <laughs> 
but we should be proud of ours if we're a white person too. You know, I am so many different nationalities, I don't know who to be proud of. <laughs> I am like Heinz 57 varieties. I'm English, Irish, French, Dutch, Scotch on my mother's side, and Austrian and Hungarian on my father's side. So let me tell you what, a lot of those warred against each other. The Scotch and the Irish warred against each other. Anybody see the movie Braveheart? Well, guess what? Those two guys, one was Irish and one was Scotch, and when they came together and made themselves a team, look, they won. They won the war. And what I didn't know until I did Ancestry.com was I'm a direct descendant of them. And I found out that after they died, their families intermarried and it became the longest line of godly kings and queens in the history of Ireland and Scotland. Isn't that awesome? So when we are us and we team together as us, being proud of our own heritage and helping others to be proud of theirs, there's great power and authority in that. So that's what the Lord even spoke to me about regarding you know, what I'm called to do and what others are called to do. And God gave me a heart to help to raise other women up in ministry. That's one of the reasons we're doing this conference in July. Because you're not all called to do what I do. But you might be called to, to, to do something else. You might be the next Amy Semple McPherson or Catherine Kuhlman or whatever. I'm not. I'm just Joni. <laughs> I'm just a fat grandma. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not saying that against myself, but I know who I am. You know, and, and I know I'm not Jesus, I know I'm not Amy Semple McPherson, I know I'm not Catherine Coleman, I'm just me. I'm just a single, divorced grandma who decided to get out there, and once my kids were grown, because my daughter told me, Mom, you need to get a life. We've gotten a life now. We were your life until we moved out, but now you need to get a life. So I did. <laughs> and I worked for other ministries all through the years, and God began to open doors, and I began to travel and do the ministry that God called me to. And it wasn't like anybody else's. Like I said, God wouldn't even let me read up about anybody else. I just had to follow the yellow brick road, you know. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and, and do what he called me to do. So I worked for these large ministries, you know, PTL, the Jim Baker thing, Morris Cirillo, Jimmy Swaggart, Pat Robertson, Derek Prince, Morningstar. I was Rick and Steve's first secretary at Morningstar 31 years ago. That's how I met David. We, David and I have known each other 31 years, and I've known Rick for 31 years. And so I didn't know God was preparing me for my own ministry at the time, that he was, through all the places I worked for, that he was raising me up to do what I was called to do. And when I got out there, though from working for all those large ministries here's what my heart was a single mom two little kids barely making it financially i mean i was making eleven thousand a year at ptl that's not very much even back in those days and my heart was to go places where people couldn't afford to come to our conferences even our morning star conferences and to take it there so i ended up out in the midwest in whistle stop towns that you never heard of, and neither had I till I went there. But I didn't let anything stop me. You know, the Lord gave me this little phrase, if you let anything start stopping you, it'll never stop stopping you. And so my car would break down. Um, in fact, one time I was given a car down in Florida because I'd taken a Greyhound down there. So they gave me this ratty old 25-year-old Cadillac, a red one, well, the reason it was red was because it was down there where the sea mist comes in and it had so rusted it, it was a major red rust bucket. <laughs> 
And I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm a little bit afraid. That thing's going to fall apart. My friends told me that, you know, I, I had a spirit of pride and I needed to just be thankful for it. So I did drive it home to the Carolinas, and it worked. So I was getting ready for my next ministry trip, got in it, had to go pay a bill on Independence. You know, Independence is a really busy road. So I'm driving down the road, and I'm, it's like a boat. It's like a honking huge thing. I'm driving down Independence, and all of a sudden people are honking at me, and I'm like, I'm going slow because I don't know how to drive something this big. <laughs> and finally, this truck pulls up alongside of me, and this guy is like leaning out from the passenger thing, hollering to me, and I'm like, I don't know if I should roll down my window and hear what he has to say or not. He's probably cussing me out. <laughs> but something just told me to roll the window down. He goes, your car is on fire, lady. Pull over. <laughs> so I pulled into this gas station, and I'm like, oh, don't park near the pumps, you know? So I pulled away from the pumps, I, and the fire was coming out from under the front end. And I remember my dad telling me, you know, if, if, if your car is on fire, don't open the hood, because as soon as the air hits it, it'll, it'll have more fire. So I ran around the back, grabbed my purse, grabbed my keys, ran around the back, opened the trunk, grabbed my luggage, threw it as far as I could so that it wouldn't burn. <laughs> and I thought, ooh, that's a brand new license plate. I just got that put on there. <laughs> I grabbed the screwdriver that was there, unscrewed the license plate, got it, <laughs> went inside the store, and I said, hey, my car is on fire out there. And he goes, oh my gosh, lady, it's not near the pumps, is it? <laughs> I said, no, I pulled it away from the pumps. Um, but listen, that thing is just a piece of junk, so after the fire department comes, just call the city and have them tow it away. And I said, can I use your phone? I called the taxi cab, went to the Greyhound bus station, and I took a Greyhound out to Nebraska. <laughs> Don't let anything start stopping you, because it'll never stop stopping you. And there's a lot of things that happen. So another time, I was scheduled to speak at Morningstar in Charlotte. Rick decided to start having some of us teach maybe for 10, 15 minutes sometimes even a half an hour. So I was scheduled for a Friday night, and my son got in trouble and ended up in jail. And so I went up to Rick, and I had called him and Julie and told them what had happened, and, but I was scheduled to speak that Friday, and they hadn't told me not to, so I'm like, well, I know that they don't want me to, so I don't want them like saying publicly, hey, Joni was gonna speak, but her kid's in jail. You know, <laughs> that'd be a little bit embarrassing. So I went up to Rick and I said, hey, Rick, you know, my son's in jail. And so I just wanted to let you know that, you know, if um, you don't want me to speak tonight, I'll understand because, you know, I mean, the Bible says if your kid's in trouble. <laughs> Rick put his stuff down and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he says, Joni, he says, now if you're too nervous or too emotional because of what's going on, I understand. But if you let the enemy have his way this one time, he'll know what to do to stop you every time. And he says, and besides that, your son is 18 now. He's of age. He's full grown. And he's making his own wrong choices. And if somebody would disqualify you because of that, they'd disqualify God because a lot of his full grown kids are out of order. <laughs> and he said, so I'm just telling you, if you can, I would encourage you to go ahead and get up. So what will it be? Like, I wouldn't even give 15 minutes to think about it. <laughs> what will it be? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm going to go do it. So when I got up, I got up there and I says, well, some of you may know that my son got in trouble. He's in jail tonight. The good part is that, you know, he did pray and receive the Lord again while he's in there. Everybody clapped. And I said, so if you'll just keep praying for him, I would appreciate it. You know, once I got that monkey off on my back, I was able to just fly in what God had, the message he had for me to give that night. Uh, another time, and true to what Rick said, every time I was scheduled, something happened. 
And so another time, I was just going through a whole bunch of things, and I was like, I don't even want to go to church. Um, you know, people are going to ask me what's wrong or how I am, and uh, I would be lying if I said I'm just fine. And the Lord says, you know you're going to feel better if you get under the spout where the glory comes out. <laughs> In other words, worship. And so finally I was like, okay, I, I, I don't know, I guess. Well, I don't know. Yes, no, yes, no, I couldn't decide. And all of a sudden this television commercial comes on. And I said, it's just that I don't know what I'll say if people ask how I am because I'm not fine. Well, this television commercial comes on for Kraft, finely grated cheese. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am fine. I'm finely grated, finely powdered. I'm just fine. <laughs> I laughed the whole way to church, banging on my steering wheel, talking to myself. Listen, it wasn't even in the days when you had a Bluetooth or a cell phone, you know. And I know people thought I was crazy. So I go to get out of the car, and I'm a little bit late, but there's other people getting out of their cars in the parking lot. And I knew some people knew what was going on, but this one lady says, hey, Joni, dear, just wanted to let you know the Lord laid you on my heart and I was praying for you. I don't really know what's wrong, but, um, you know, I hope you're okay. And first of all, I wanted to say, liar. <laughs> but I didn't. And, and I looked at her and I says, I'm just fine. And I had a big smile on my face. And she goes, well, well you look like you are. I says, I am, finer than you know. <laughs> and under my breath, I'm going, finally grated, finally powdered, I'm just fine. <laughs> Listen, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we've got to not let the enemy steal our joy. There's an old teaching from years ago, if you let the enemy steal your joy, he can have your goods. And I encourage you to look that up on YouTube. But we have got to let the enemy, or make the enemy, stop stealing from us. Don't let him steal our joy. Don't let him steal the word. Get into the word. Quit letting him tell you the lies. If you have prophetic words that haven't yet been fulfilled, you are closer today than you've ever been to having them fulfilled. So get excited about it. Dust them off. Pull them back out and go for it. You know? And God has a plan, even in this time, for financial harvest. You know, one of the most awesome things I learned about was tithing. My parents didn't tithe. If my mother put $5 in the bucket, she thought she owned the pastor and could tell him what to do. <laughs> I didn't know about tithing, but as a single mother, I began to learn about tithing and, and did it. And the word says that he's going to rebuke the devourer for our sake. At the beginning of this pandemic last year, I just knew, man, I got to really stick to this more than ever. And every time I get something, I'm sure that the places I tithe to probably think I'm nuts because if I get $100, ba-bing, I'm on the phone sending in 10 <laughs> to whatever place I'm tithing to. There's about four places I tithe to. And if I get $50, there goes $5, ba-bing. Actually, I am a little bit too embarrassed to just do the five, so I'll do 10, <laughs> I do a little bit extra. And, and God rebukes the devourer for my sake every time. And we're not going to get through, again, unless we get back to the basics and do the things God said to do. You know, he is only able to rebuke the devourer if we do the first part. If we, if we do something, he'll do something. And salvation is free. You know, we don't have to do anything except, well, actually we do. We have to receive that. 
We have to admit that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died to save us for our sins and ask him to take over our lives. So there's a part we have to do. It's not all just, well, you know, now you're a Christian. Pa-ping! Here we go with our fairy wand, and everything you want is yours. Pa-ping! It's, that's crazy. And we need, again, we need again to get back into the word and find out what our part is. We have a part we have to play in this too. It's not all just God. And let me tell you what, it's not all just in the pulpit ministry either. You know, in Matthew 25, Jesus says that in the end time, that how we'll be judged, just read it, is what we do to others will have done to him, or what we don't do for others will have not done for him. Things like giving them food, giving people food that have need of it, giving people water that have need of it, clothing, going and visiting those who are sick or in prison. And if you've done this for these, the least of these, you've done it for me, Jesus says. And then these others who haven't done it, then they haven't done it for him, and he's going to tell them, get out of here and go into the outer darkness. Now listen, just want to bring some balance here, because there are those who are going to skate in at the last moment without doing a doggone thing, just like the thief on the cross. You understand that? And there's some people that I'm praying that, at the very least, that's what will happen. But those of us who know better, we're going to be held accountable for what we should know and what we should be doing. And then he talks about even the ministers who are out there trying to be a star. He says, you know, you can cast out demons in my name, you can heal in my name, you can prophesy in my name, but I might say to you, depart from me, I never knew you. That's a lot of responsibility. So you can do all those things and not give food to the poor or help anybody and just have a big fat heart that you just want to be worshipped and adored by everybody and everybody has to do for you. And he'll just say to you, depart from me, I never knew you. That's frightening. That is frightening. Working for a lot of the ministries I worked for, I saw both the good, the bad, well, all the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's really a frightening thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And none of us want to do that. There are so many of you here in this room that I know personally. And I know that you are those who, your lifestyle is ministry. The kind of ministry like what Jesus likes. And he's saying to you, what you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. And I've got a place for you. (laughs) He's not going to cast you into the outer darkness. But usually you don't even know that. You're like, oh, what have I, like the, the ones in the Bible. What have I done for you, Lord? Well, what you've done for the least of these, you've done for him. When my son was in prison for seven years straight, do you want to know what? There were people that lived around the place where he was in prison at in Florida that I knew, people in ministry, pastors and so forth. No one went and visited my son. The only person that went to visit him was me. And one time, Carol Cohen came with me all the way from Charlotte to go down there to see my son. That wasn't an easy trip. That was a hard one. But she went with me. And that meant so much to him. Uh, And so many young people in prison don't have anybody that comes and sees them, not even writes them a letter or anything else. You want a ministry? Go visit your local jail, your local prison. You want a ministry? Take a look at where the single moms are in your church who don't have anything. You know, one time I was at church and Everybody was, I wanted to like hurry out because people would talk right over top of you to invite each other out to eat. I didn't have no money to go out to a restaurant to eat. 
and that would be so embarrassing and so hard, but people are rude. I mean, can you imagine, like, walk up to me, I'm talking to somebody, and they go, oh, excuse me for a minute, honey, I need to talk to this person. Like, hey, hey, we're going to such, such a place, meet us there, okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, we will. And there I am, just a bump on the log with no money to go anywhere. Well, this lady walks up to me, and she hands me a $20 bill. And I was so excited, and I turned, and I told my kids, look, look, we're going to be able to go out to eat like everybody else. We get in the car, and I hear the small, still voice of the Lord say, open that up. And I opened it up, and you know what it was? It was one of those fake tracks that looked like a $20 bill. And I sat there, and I cried, and I told my kids I was sorry. And, and, you know, they said, that wasn't very nice, was it, Mom? I said, no, it sure wasn't, and that's not the way to do things. When you grow up, you're going to have money, and you're going to be able to help people. Don't ever do something like this. And, you know, it's just time for us to be real in the church. It's time for us to be real with our love, just like Bob Jones said, you know, well, and it's like the word says, Bob wasn't the first one to say that. Jesus said it. What you do for the least of these, you're going to do for me. And he's coming back. You know, Jesus is coming back. I don't know. It might be soon. could be today. could be tomorrow. could be a thousand years from now. I doubt that it'll be that long. But he's coming back. And I want to be found faithful when he does. And in this Passover time, again, I just want to remind you, don't let God's goodness pass you over. It's time to quit being passed over with the blessings of God. And the way to do that is, let's in this Passover time remember the blood. Let's get under the blood. Let's, let's get under it and let's repent for anything that there is in our lives that needs to be changed. Let's get under the blood of Jesus and get into the word of God. And let's quit getting involved in these hokey things out there that aren't real. Let's get back to a true relationship with the Lord and really feel his presence. I mean, his presence was so strong this morning during worship, and I so loved it that you actually had real worship this morning. I'm tired of the beat em, bust em, that's our custom stuff that's been called worship, and everybody just sits there because we don't know what to do. We don't know the words, and, and us older people, we can't get up there and jive like <laughs> the young people do. Worship leaders should be leading us in worship, leading, showing us how to worship. And let's do some songs that we can actually sing, all right? And, and I'm telling you, you know, nothing like the old hymns, but I'm not saying that's all you have to do. There were some beautiful songs this morning that we could really get into and be a part of. And, and you, could, you could just feel the presence of the Lord. The Lord told me years ago, Rick had us all get words for the new year, and I'll never forget, I don't know why he did it, but he, he says, so this is New Year's Eve, and we're doing a little bit different this year, and every one of you are going to give a word. And he headed straight for my table, and I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, should I say that in church? What? <laughs> I don't have anything, God, help me. And the Lord said, I want you to tell my people, worship is your warship. And he says, and from now on, they need to understand, worship is their worship. As they worship me, I'll take care of all that stuff that they've been so worried about. But they need to get focused on me and worship me. And I'll take care of the bills at home. I'll take care of the mean old husband at home or the mean old wife, whichever it happens to be. <laughs> I'll take care of the bad kids. <laughs> but worship is your worship. He inhabits the praises of his people. 
Do you know, I was watching CNN headline news one day, and they came on with one of those little 30 or 60 second things that they do, and they were at a DNA lab, and they were sticking DNA slides inside of these machines. Well, this one machine they usually use didn't work, so they were sliding it into this other machine. And they all of a sudden heard music, and they're like, hey, whoever's got the radio on, shut it off. Well, it wasn't a radio. It was the DNA slides. They found out that each person's DNA sings its very own song. That's why the word says, you know, through the whole thing with, with Cain and Abel, I heard your brother's blood cry out to me from the ground. Can you imagine now the billions, if it is millions, whatever, of aborted babies, how their blood is crying out from the ground? So we've got to, you know, begin to pray even more against abortion in this nation, against homosexuality. I've met some really stellar people who have, through the homosexual agenda, been scooped up and brought into that fake reality that they promote and it's wrong. And we've got to not be afraid to stand up against that. But again, we've got to get into the word so we'll know what really is the truth, and the truth will set us free. And I'm not gonna be silent about it. I'm not gonna be silent, because if I'm silent, the rocks will cry out. <laughs> and if I'm silent, I have to answer to God. And, and so I'll answer to you all day long. <laughs> and, I, and I'll say, well, it says it right here. <laughs> Argue with that. When I was, when my kids were like 15 and 16 years old, I ended up, the church I was attending, a large church in Charlotte, um, uh, that I went to after I'd gone through this terrible shepherding and discipleship experience at a small church, and I just went there to kind of hide in the back, because they had 5,000 members, I figured nobody would bug me, <laughs> sat in the back, but some of them recognized me from working at PTL, and by golly, they ended up hiring me on staff as the Singles administrator, over 500 singles and their families. Um, and I was the single parents pastor, um, I'm, excuse me, 1,500 singles, the singles administrator for 1,500 singles, and the single parents pastor for 500 single parents and their families. I wasn't ordained, I'd never been to Bible school, anything. <laughs> and, and I got to do that. It was just one of my most awesome, favorite jobs of all time. The only reason I ended up leaving there, um, well, I'm not going to give you the whole reason, but God opened up the door for me to work for Derek Prince Ministries at, at just the right time, and I left to do that. But I started going out and ministering at different places, being invited across the country, and I was invited to go minister at a Peter Wagner conference to train intercessors, his intercessors. And I was like, I'm like a nobody. I don't have um, a... I don't have a Bible school degree. I'm not ordained or anything. And I went there, and oh my gosh, those women dress better than Tulsa. You know, Tulsa's known for how fancy it dresses. These women were in furs and everything else. And I was like, and they're, they're talking about the Bible school degrees. They have, oh, I have a doctorate under Dr. Peter Wagner's ministry, and I have this and I have that. And I, was, I pulled off to the side, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, come put your arms around me and hide me. I feel so out of place here. I've never been ordained. I don't have a Bible school degree or anything. I feel so out of place. And Jesus wraps his arm around me and he goes, I know, me too. <laughs> so you don't have to have a Bible school degree or anything to do what God's called you to. And we just need to get over ourselves. 
and, and do it, do the stuff. It's available for us all. You know, he's available for us all. So, Lord, I thank you for each and every one here, and I thank you in this Passover time that you're not going to let any of your blessings pass us over as we come underneath the blood of Jesus and we acknowledge you as our Lord even more than we have so far as we pull down those barriers that we have put up those offenses the lord told me one time every offense is a fence in between us and him and us and other people so get rid of the offenses forgive i don't care if the person's dead forgive them <laughs> i don't care if they ever know that you forgave them forgive them and and go on there's nobody worth you having those promises withheld from you and so lord we just thank you lord for even for your spirit of forgiveness for offense here and for a pulling down of those strongholds that have held us back from what you have for us in Jesus name thank you Lord I feel like this is one of the most awesome times in history that we're in right now you know what doesn't matter who's I mean it does matter but it really doesn't matter who's in the White House God's on the throne <laughs> and nobody can impeach him <laughs> nobody can impeach jesus nobody can impeach the holy spirit you know and it's time for us again to get back to the basics and as we do we're going to see great and mighty things happen in our lives and the lives of those that he's called us to minister to amen, amen. so i just felt like that the lord said that um there i just heard the scripture there's a multitude of you in the valley of decision and the Lord said, let him make the decision. Amen. And here's one of the things Bob Jones taught me was that follow the path that gives you peace. There's always peace with the path God chooses. Even if everybody else thinks you're an idiot. Everybody thought I was an idiot for moving to the Carolinas with my two little kids all by myself when they were in first and second grade. But God said, you know, if you give up land, houses, homes, <laughs> You know, I'll give you more. And, and God has. I have spiritual kids all over the country. I have spiritual family all over the country. I've got you guys. <laughs> you know? And, and I just want to say, in case nobody told you this in a while, I love you. And God loves you. And, and he says, don't be afraid. You know, his perfect love is casting out all fear. And don't be afraid in these times because he has more resources for you than you could possibly imagine. Doesn't matter what your situation is, he's a God of miracles. Amen. And he's still in the miracle business. Amen.